Good morning. And welcome to worship today. Special welcome to any friends, guests, or visitors we have with us. That we're very glad that you are here. Special welcome to those uh, joining us online or by the phone. Uh, or if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I was reminded that we have a few people who join us that way too. So, <laughs> Just a few announcements before we begin. Um, after church today, if you are willing, uh, we're, we're going to be starting to prepare our sanctuary, our space for, um, for Christmas and for the season of Advent as well. Um, and it's one of those things where the more people we have, the quicker it goes. So if you're able to stick around for a few minutes, we'll provide on-the-job training. Uh, there's no experience necessary, so uh, please stick around if you are able. We'll, we'll help uh, find something for you to decorate. A reminder that we've got a blood drive coming up this week. There are still a few slots open for that. Um, and we are collecting winter gear for Lowell. There's a, a box in the back. Uh, they're looking especially for waterproof gloves and snow pants, I guess, are two of the biggest needs that they have over there. Um, and Vicki Olson helped arrange an order of some waterproof gloves. And if you are interested in contributing financially to that, you're welcome to do that as well take a moment to, to look over the other announcements um, printed in your bulletin. Next, next Sunday is our tamale making lesson, so if you're interested in learning how to make tamales, those will be after church um, next Sunday. And then just a couple of updates to our prayers. Um, I'm sure some of you have heard um, that um, Joan Rupenthal passed away this week. Her service will be tomorrow at 11. And Shar Kalish also passed away this week, and her service will be on Friday at 11. So please keep the Rupenthals and the Kalishes in your prayers this week. And uh, if you're able to uh, help out at either of those services on Friday or on Monday or Friday, it's always nice to have a few extra Trinity people for um, especially the luncheon downstairs if you are available. Um, you can talk to me if you have questions about that. Are there any other announcements that we should make verbally today? If not, we'll begin our service with our prelude music, a chance to center ourselves for worship.
please stand as you are able and face the baptismal font. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who, has, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be God's name forever. Amen. Beloved, now is the time to wake from sleep. Let us confront our sins and confess them to the one who is merciful and just. God of new beginnings, we confess that we have not welcomed your holy reign. We have strayed from your paths. We prepare for war instead of peace. We dishonor one another and your creation. Purify us with your refining fire and set us again on your way of love that we may bear fruit worthy of repentance and welcome your coming among us. Amen. People of God, a new thing is growing in our midst, a tender branch, a living sign. By water and the Spirit you are joined to this wonder. You have put on Christ, and your sins have been washed away. Rejoice in the way of the Lord.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Dear God, when life hacks away at our dreams and injustice cuts us down and leaves us like a stump of our former hope, reveal your promise in small things, little shoots, sweet tendrils rising green. We ask this in the name of Jesus, cut down by hate and fear, risen with new life from the stump of death. Please be seated. And I invite you to join me in prayer as we light our Advent wreath. Let us pray. Praise to you, O God, who gives us courage to start again. You fasten righteousness around your waist and baptize with the Holy Spirit's fire. Bless us as we mirror your mighty fire in these simple flames, and teach us to mirror your justice in the paths we prepare. We ask that peace abound until none hurt or destroy over all the earth. Chapter 11. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, 
and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the, the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put in its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Word of God, word of life.
The second reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 15. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles have hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Word of God, word of life. Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the third chapter. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, 
I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you, friends. And today, may God stir up in us the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, the spirit of joy in God's presence. Amen. The prophet Isaiah proclaims in our first reading, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Last week, we started a series on the text of Isaiah in the season of Advent. All four Sundays this year of Advent and then Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the first Sunday of Christmas, are all from the words of this ancient prophet from 2,800 to 2,600 years ago depending on what part of the book you're looking at. So each week this season, we're primarily focusing on our first reading. You see, the words of Isaiah, perhaps more than any other part of the Old Testament, shaped the imagination of those early Christians as they made sense of what had just happened in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. They knew something significant had happened. This event had happened in their lives in the world, and that the living God was somehow present in it. And so I imagine them scouring the scriptures, trying to make sense of it all. And over and over again, it was the poetry of this ancient prophet Isaiah that inspired them and gave them a lens to understand who Jesus is, was, and will be. But now, on the other hand, we today know that we read Isaiah in a multi-faith world, and we perhaps now have a better understanding of some of the historical context as we read these ancient words. So part of what I'm trying to do in this series, which I find uh, engaging, and I'm hoping that it'll be uh, exciting for you too, uh, is to add some depths to these texts. By thinking about Isaiah's original context, and by wondering particularly how we read Isaiah with the recognition that we share this book with our Jewish neighbors. In a time of rising anti-Semitism, it seems to me that we have a duty in Advent to do some self-examination and reflection on how our interpretations of the Hebrew Bible have flattened and co-opted and ignored the way our neighbors use this holy book in ways that can often lead to harm. Furthermore, I think when we read the Bible in this way, it's not just good and loving towards our neighbors, it also uh, helps our understanding, by uh, enriches our understanding and strengthens our faith. The book of Isaiah, after all, has been transforming lives for nearly 3,000 years. So I don't think we should be surprised if it happens again 
here and now. Isaiah, I believe, can still preach a fresh and powerful word for us today. Take a look at our reading for today from Isaiah chapter 11. might not be obvious from the outset, but this is a text about a king. How do we know it's about a king? Because the opening line speaks of Jesse. And if you remember the story from the books of Samuel, that Jesse was King David's father. So not only is this about a king, but it's about the best king that you can imagine, an ideal king, a wise, strategic, faithful, and just king. This is a king who will bring justice for the poor and equity for the meek. Justice for people and faith in God will be like the clothes that he wears around every day. They'll be so much a part of him. As Isaiah says, righteousness shall be the belt around his waist. And the second half of the reading seems to be a vision of what will happen if this kind of ruler is in charge. There will be peace on earth, a peace that is so whole and complete that it's hard for us even to imagine. In the words of the poetic prophet, things are going to be so peaceful that even creation will be at peace. Wolves are going to cuddle with lambs, and baby goats are going to get cozy with leopards. Children are going to play carefree over the homes of snakes without fear. In God's dream, in other words, according to Isaiah, violence is dead and done for. No more shootings on State Street or anywhere else. No more bombs or invasions because God has had enough. Or as Isaiah puts it, straightforwardly, they will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. Holy mountain meaning Mount Zion and Jerusalem. If God's will was done on earth as it is in heaven, if God's justice ruled in the land, violence would be over. It may seem odd for us, for Isaiah, to pick these images of predator and prey lying together to speak of peace. After all, doesn't that seem natural? But I think he is using this poetic hyperbole or maybe a vision of another world that's possible to make a point. I take him to mean that there is a connection between our human justice and creational well-being. In truth, we can see this all over. When our human relationships become violent, the earth suffers too. For example, did you know that our military, the U.S. military, creates more greenhouse gases than most countries do in their whole, wholeness? To their credit, the Department of Defense did a self-study and found that they contribute more to climate change than Norway, Sweden, Peru, and Morocco. Their whole population uh, create less, uh, use less fossil fuels than the U.S. military. Likewise, when a country is carpet-bombed, it's not only human life and habitat that is destroyed. And I remember uh, a few years ago when I was in the Holy Land and we were uh, in Bethlehem, we were uh, visiting the wall that separates Israeli and Palestinian. And there's a Lutheran ed environmental education center there. And they were teaching us about the ways that that wall not only affected human community, but it also broke up migratory patterns of nature and of, of animals in the area. Point being that there's this connection between human justice 
and creational well-being that we don't always recognize. So maybe the, the ancient wisdom of Isaiah uh, was, it was onto something. When injustice reigns between us, creation suffers too. And on the flip side, when God's justice rules in the land, it's a dream for creation too. It's hard to know exactly what Isaiah was referring to in his time and place in this, in this section. He was in Jerusalem probably around the 8th century BCE. But some people believe he preached these words as a prophetic critique of King Ahaz. You don't know, need to know, know much about Ahaz other than he wasn't a very good king. He was, uh, Isaiah described him as an evil king. And so the implication of this text would be that the ideal king is the exact opposite of who Ahaz was. If the ideal king was faithful, wise, and just, then King Ahaz was faithless, foolish, and corrupt. That's what Isaiah means by the stump of Jesse, Jesse being the father of King David. So if King Ahaz and kings like King Ahaz are in charge, Isaiah is saying that line is as good as dead. God's way is not ruling in the land. Ahaz and people like it have killed it. Everything the king was supposed to be died in kings like Ahaz, Isaiah seems to be saying. So you could think of Isaiah 11 as the prophet's letter to the editor, maybe in the Temple Times, saying, we need a just and wise king to bring peace, and Ahaz ain't it. But Isaiah's editorial isn't only about criticism. It's also about hope, and that hope being in God. The injustice of kings like Ahaz have killed the line of David, according to Isaiah. They may have turned Jesse into a stump, but God is going to find a way to bring life, even in that situation. God will find a way to bring life out of a stump. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. In other words, out of death, God is going to resurrect hope. A new king in the line of David bring justice and peace, faith and wholeness to the earth. As we look at the places in our world that seem dead or hopeless, it is this God that Isaiah proclaims, that Isaiah praises, that Isaiah tells us to place our hope that can bring new life out of death. Are you beginning to see why early Christians started to see Jesus in this text? Over time, over the centuries, both Jews and Christians began to see hope in this text for the coming of a Messiah, a prince of peace in whom God would resurrect the line of David. One of my favorite things about Isaiah is how so much art and music has sprung from this source. And this is certainly true of Isaiah chapter 11. Take, for instance, uh, and you can Google this online, or maybe some of you have seen this, but there's a, a famous stained glass window in Notre Dame called the Jesse Tree. It's from the 12th century. And at the bottom of the window is Jesse, the father of David, depicted as sleeping. And a beautiful tree emerges from his side, holding a series of kings, leading to the Virgin Mary, and finally at the top of the window is Jesus. There was a happy coincidence uh, in the Latin translation of the Bible that led to a lot of this artwork and it sparked a lot of imagination. The word shoot in Isaiah was translated as rod, which in Latin is virga, 
which was conveniently close to the Latin word for virgin, which was Virgo, so Virga, Virgo. So artists and musicians, scholars reading that said Virgo, Virga, that, that must be some kind of connection to the Virgin Mary there. So you can just imagine these artists and poets did not miss that. The Virgin Mary became the rod or the shoot from the stump of Jesse, and the flower would be her Christ child. That imagery is continued in our Advent banner, which we put up each year over here on, the, uh, on my right, your left. <laughs> a green shoot sprouts up as out of nowhere, as out of a dead stump. And in the weeks to come, and sorry if this is a spoiler alert, that shoot will flower into Christ as a rose. As we'll sing in our hymn of the day today, Lo, how a rose ere blooming from tender stem hath sprung of Jesse's lineage coming as seers of old have sung. And in the second verse, Isaiah even gets a shout-out. Isaiah had foretold it, the rose I have in mind, with Mary we behold it, the virgin mother kind. I believe it's this history that leads Christians all over to read Isaiah 11 in Advent. But remembering this context and our Jewish neighbors perhaps challenges us to go deeper. It is unlikely that Isaiah was thinking about Jesus as he spoke or wrote these words in his editorial of sorts in the 8th century. And ancient Jews saw hope for peace and justice in a Messiah figure who was not Jesus. But even so, we can still hear this word as a word for us and for our neighbors, people all over the world yearning for peace and justice, for well-being for the earth. The scholar Tyler Mayfield invites us to continue to read these stories with bifocal lenses, with a near vision for how we read them and for a far vision for how our neighbor reads them. And he says, with our near vision, as Christians, we see a beautiful image of the peaceable kingdom for our Advent longings. I think we all need that peace. But with our far vision, we claim Jesus as the Messiah with humility and with the knowledge that our Jewish friends also long for peace. And so today, as we sing about that rose, air blooming, we claim the hope that we as Christians find in Jesus as that continuation of the just and ideal ruler that God, through Isaiah, spoke of. And we know that when that just rule reigns over, that rule of Christ, that rule of love, that we see in the kingdom of God, that when there is true justice, there will be true peace. We long for that vision that Isaiah holds before us when violence of all sorts will come to an end. And when we end violence between us, the earth will flourish as well. May we long for that coming rule for that king who wears justice as if it were his everyday clothes. And may we hope for that rose that blooms among us. Amen.
prepare for the fullness of Christ's presence, let us pray for the world that yearns for new hope. God, you renew the church in every age. We give thanks for human writers and theologians, especially John of Damascus, whom we commemorate today, inspired teachers, writers, and musicians to delight and instruct your people. God, in your mercy. You give us a vision of creation in harmony when hurting and destruction will be no more. Teach us to be stewards of the earth and champions to its creatures. Restore to balance and wholeness what human greed has harmed. God, in your mercy. You defend the cause of all who are poor and oppressed. Raise up leaders who will govern with equity and serve the common good. Guide judges, lawmakers, and public officials to protect the rights of those who cannot advocate for themselves. God, in your mercy. You deliver those in need from suffering and fear. Come to the aid of any who are exploited or abused, especially children, elders, and victims of human trafficking. Provide safety and help to our neighbors without shelter, refugees, and those fleeing violence. God, in your mercy. You urge your people to welcome one another as you have welcomed us. Nurture ministries of hospitality and care in this and every congregation. We lift up especially the Triangle Ministry and Healing House. We pray for people who are homebound, hospitalized, or separated from loved ones, especially Jane, Doris, Joanne, Roe, Sharon, and Gloria. God, in your mercy. You embrace all who have died, trusting in your promises. We give thanks for this, their faithful witness, especially Charlotte Kalish and Joan Rupenthal. Sustain us in hope until we are united with them in the joy of your eternal presence. God, in your mercy. God of our longing, you know our deepest needs. By your spirit, gather our prayers and join them with the prayers of all your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Peace of the Lord be with you always. I think we won't share a sign of peace with those around you.
please stand to our evil. Let us pray. Eternal God, you make the desert bloom and send springs of water to thirsty ground. Receive these simple gifts of bread, wine, and money, and make us messengers of your mercy and love for all in need of your healing and justice. We ask this through Christ our Savior. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. You comforted your people with the promise of the Redeemer, through whom you will also make all things new in the day when he comes to judge the world in righteousness. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy God, the beginning and the end, our salvation and our hope, we praise you for creating a world of order and beauty. When we brought on chaos, cruelty, and despair, you sent the prophets to proclaim your justice and mercy. At this end of the ages, your son Jesus came to bring us your love and to heal all the suffering world. The night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat my body, given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his life, death, and resurrection, we await his coming again in righteousness and peace. Send your spirit on us and on this bread and wine we share. Strengthen our faith, increase our hope, and bring to birth the justice and joy of your Son. Through him all glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, both now and forever. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught his friends to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated while we share some instructions for communion. Communion today, you'll come to the side aisles and come forward, where at the front of the side aisles there are these tables, these side tables, where you'll pick up an empty cup and bring it with you to the railing, where it will be filled with wine and where you will receive bread. If you need or desire grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these two side tables. Just grab them on your way forward and bring them to the railing. After you've communed at the railing, you'll return down the center aisle and place your empty cup in the bowl uh, here by the center aisle at the front. We want all friends, guests, visitors to know that you are very welcome to commune with us uh, because this is the Lord's table, not Trinity Lutheran's table, and the invitation comes from Christ. So all are welcome. Receive this invitation to communion. Be strong, do not fear. Here is your God who has come to save you. Just one more word of welcome to those who are joining us online or by phone. We are glad you are here too and we extend our, our communion to your gathering with us at home.
please stand as you are able. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen, keep, and unite us now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Faithful God, in this meal you have remembered your mercy, bringing heaven to earth in the body and blood of Christ. As we wait for the day when all your promises will be fulfilled, sustain us and strengthen us by this holy mystery. Guide us toward your promised future, coming to birth in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. One more invitation for those who'd like to stick around and uh, help us with some decorating. Uh, all are welcome and we'll help you, uh, uh, we'll provide training so you'll, you'll figure, everyone will have a job who sticks around. We'll, we'll meet in the front of the church in a few minutes. God, the eternal word who dwells with us in Jesus, 
who holds us in the grace of the Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is to proclaim and celebrate the love of Jesus Christ, to live as God's servants in the world, and to be a caring and healing community. Go in peace. Christ is near.